0: Last summer, climate reporter Sarah Kaplan made a rare visit to Greenland. She flew by helicopter to a remote corner of the country's massive ice sheet.
1: You know, I look down and I just see this, like, ocean of white. Um, so we're flying over the Greenland ice sheet, and it is just just like vast white expanse as far as you can see to the horizon it's really one of the most unreal things i've ever seen And then on the horizon, we saw this just like tiny little pinprick of color. And as we got closer and closer, we could see this little cluster of tents, um, yellow tents sort of sticking up out of the snow. And then there was one big red and white tent in the middle, and that contained the drill. And that was the reason we were all here. The drill. Scientists were
0: drilling through the ice, to try to reach the bedrock underneath, an unprecedented undertaking, part of a project called Green Drill.
1: No one has drilled through this part of the ice sheet before that can help us understand what happened in the past and what might happen amid modern climate change.
0: As the Earth gets hotter, the Greenland ice sheet is melting, but how fast it might melt and exactly at what temperature isn't clear.
1: And the implications of this are huge. I mean, we know that Greenland ice sheet has this capacity to contribute a huge amount of sea level rise and that it's highly vulnerable. But in order to understand just how vulnerable it is, scientists really need to figure out well, what has it done in the past when the Earth got warmer? If scientists can figure that out, that'll give us a sense of sort of what's the temperature threshold at which Greenland might you know, sort of tip into this irreversible state of decline? And have we already crossed it? Mm. And we don't have a lot of time, right? Like climate change is, you know, proceeding incredibly quickly. I think there's a real sense of urgency that we have to figure out what's going to happen. And green drill is really key to that science. Mm. But right
0: before Sarah got to the camp, Disaster struck. The ice around the drill fractured, and the drill stopped working.
1: And they really weren't sure if they were going to be able to keep going. The field season in Greenland is really short. There's a tight window when there's enough daylight to work, but the ice sheet is still frozen solid enough that it's safe to work on. So this team of scientists was really running out of time. From the newsroom of The Washington Post,
0: this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Maggie Penman. It's Thursday, December 14th. Today, how scientists are looking under the Greenland ice sheet and into the past to predict the future of climate change. Okay, so... I'm so curious about all the people who are in these tents, in this extreme environment.
1: Yeah. Who are the people in the tents?
2: <laughs> this is not a normal weather. Yeah. <laughs>
1: not- yeah. So the Green Drill team is led by Jörg Schaefer, who's a physicist at Lamont-Doherty Earth Observatory. And, you know, he comes up to us in his, like, big puffy orange coat and goggles. And he's always like, oh, we're going to ask the rocks these questions, which I really enjoy.
2: But you are well equipped, that's good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the next person I met was Allie Balter Kennedy.
3: Yeah. Hi, Allie. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Who
1: until recently had been Jurg's PhD student. She had just defended her dissertation. To finally when things there. go wrong, she's the one who's like, okay, here's the plan, like we're gonna get we're gonna do this.
2: To it yeah. that, it's not finally, it's incredible that you are here. Yeah.
0: So what was it like in these tents?
1: The tents are called Arctic ovens, and they're kind of like double-walled. It's still really cold; like, barely. If you leave your water bottle on the floor, it will freeze. Definitely one of like the most adventurous things I've ever done for journalism. All right, it's um, Sarah and Bonnie Jo. Here, I recorded my colleague, photojournalist Bonnie Jo Mount, in her tent talking about the elements. Uh, It's extremely
3: cold, (laughs) and it's extremely windy. Although Even I, with these huge, we are wearing Michelin man <laughs> coats, expedition jackets. Yeah, and it's cold. Yeah,
1: like you want to be <laughs> <me>, my <laughs> friend.
0: Cold, C O L D. Cold. Wow. Okay, this sounds really extreme. Um, so, Jurg and his team are living in this frozen environment, trying to get these rocks underneath this ice sheet. But how are they actually going to use the rocks to find out when the glacier last melted? So this science
1: sounds like magic. (laughs) Um, Basically, a star explodes. (laughs) What? Yes, I know. (laughs) It starts with stars. (laughs) When a star explodes, it creates these high-energy particles called cosmic rays. And when those high-energy particles, like, go through space, they travel through Earth's atmosphere, and they hit the surface of the Earth. They hit rocks. They create these chemical signatures. You can actually figure out, like, how long was this rock exposed to light? And then how long has it been buried? I mean, it's almost like the the sky is writing a story in the rocks. And then scientists are able to find those little elements and, and read that story and tell you, like, how long was this rock exposed and then how long was it buried? That is incredible. So, okay,
0: let me make sure I'm getting this right. So scientists can analyze these rocks and they can tell when a glacier last covered them up and when that glacier would have melted.
1: Yes. But if you believe it or not, like, that is not the hard part. The hard part is getting the rocks in the first place. As crazy as that science is, like, the real challenge facing Green Drill was how do you get through 500 meters of ice quickly?
0: So, yeah, what kind of
1: technology does that
0: involve? Like what is this new green drill and and how does it work?
1: Yeah, so the US has an ice drilling program funded by the National Science Foundation and they had just developed a new highly specialized drill called the Agile Sub-Ice Geological Drill, or ASIG for short. And ASIG was like the superstar of the Green Drill (laughs) expedition because it is capable of drilling through the ice super fast. And it was working for several weeks. They were making sort of slow but steady progress. And then, you know, right before we arrived on the ice sheet, the pressure in the hole dropped. And they'd already made it, you know, almost... 80% of the way through the ice to get to the rocks they needed, but they still had a little more than 100 meters left to drill, and they didn't know if they were going to be able to do it. So what happened? What went wrong? Yeah, so to understand what went wrong, you have to understand sort of how the ASIG drill works. Mm -hmm. So you have this, like... Spinning drill that's shaving the ice as it goes down and down. And then it creates these ice chips that then need to be pushed out of the hole so that the drill can keep going. And so to do that, the engineers pump a pressurized fluid down into the hole and that pushes the ice chips out. But when the hole fractured, the fluid was able to leak out. And so the pressure dropped and it wasn't able to push up the ice chips anymore. And if you can't get the ice chips out of the way, you can't drill. Like it's basically, you know, Jurg wrote in his uh, field notebook that night, basically game over because he wasn't sure if they couldn't re- repair the fracture, then then that was the end of the project.
0: I can't even imagine how Jurg would have felt in that moment. What what was his reaction, and how did how did the other scientists
1: on this project react?
0: This is such a different... Yeah, they
2: should not have called that really. Yeah, so it's call sort
1: of it varied, different. I think, yeah. depending on people's personalities. So Allie Balder-Kennedy, the recent PhD graduate, uh, she was very sort of scientific mm-hmm. and um, about it. Like, okay, this is an opportunity to learn.
3: I was like... Well, at least we, like, know what it is. Yeah. There was so much uncertainty of what was going on. Mm-hmm. To be able to say, like, okay, this is what happened and here's how we could either deal with it or not deal with it was pretty, like, <laughs> even though it was a bad outcome, it was, like, good. That's, that's yeah, I mean, better that's... outcome.
1: And Jörg was just, like, really discouraged.
3: It's of course,
2: the best scientific reaction you can have. <laughs> I, re- I didn't have that. I mean, in a way, I also kind of, I know what you mean. It felt like kind of at least you know it. But then it also, you know, everything starts to crumble.
1: So what was the next step? What were they going to do to try and recover? So the next step is to try to figure out a way to fix that fracture so that they can keep going. But then a like huge blizzard hits the camp. Like, howling winds, the visibility is so low that, like, even if Yurik just, like, put his hand out in front of his face, he couldn't see it. Like, basically, all the scientists can do is just sit in the kitchen tent and wait for the wind to die down so that they can go back to the drill and keep working. Yurik like, would record voice memos for me. Yeah,
2: just trying to get along and keeping them the um, mood up somehow. And, yeah, of course, we have been thinking, I have been thinking a lot about a hole. Every minute you could not drill, it was clear that make cuts the time short.
0: We'll be right back. So, Sarah... Jürg and Allie and their team of scientists in Greenland are waylaid by this blizzard. Their drill is broken. They're running out of time. What happened next?
1: They lost three days to the blizzard, but eventually the weather cleared, and they came up with a plan to fix the drill. They'd extend an aluminum casing into the upper part of the hole so they could block the crack where the leak was. And miraculously it worked this allowed them to resume drilling but the problem they're still facing is the ticking clock there's only a few days left in the field season and the drill is going really slowly and then what happens um many members of the expedition including york himself were scheduled to leave the ice and like the situation in greenland is that like Opportunities to leave are so rare because the weather is so bad and there are so few flights that like if you're scheduled to get on a plane you have to get on it because wow. there might not be another chance and so Jörg was scheduled to leave the ice and he had to go you know in the middle of this sort of effort to finish up the drilling
2: the pilot said that I have to leave now to get me out today so that's where we are and of course that timing feels completely wrong.
1: Um I think that was really hard for him.
2: And leaving those guys al- <clears throat> alone now. It feels sh-. I cannot postpone either. I mean we have been working for that to getting to bedrock for literally years. But the more emotional part is really to leave this team alone.
1: And then amid all of that like we had to leave. Bonnie Joe, and I wow. also had to had to leave the ice because, again, like, you know, there's really rare opportunities, very few weather windows. And so when you get one, you take it. So, you know, we left and it was just like really uncertain. And I think people were starting to feel more and more pessimistic that they would succeed. So what happened with the experiment after you left? So Allie kept us posted on how things were going. Hey, Sarah, it's Allie. And things were not going well.
3: We had some very slow progress.
1: You know, they only had like a couple days left and the drill was barely making any progress. And it was like four days and then three days. Um, was
3: not a good day. We only drilled a meter and a half.
1: And the team is starting to think about like, okay, we need to pack up our equipment. We need to get ready to go. Mm-hmm. I'm also, you know, calling and texting Jurg, who's back at home in New York, and he's trying to sort of digest this news.
2: Um, would say that they probably cannot make it to Bedrock through the week, and they have to get the camp bed ready and everything, and they just would run out of time.
1: It just felt like we were on the precipice of everything was lost. <laughs> and then... With two days left before the plane is supposed to come and start taking their equipment off the ice, the engineers tried using a different drill bit, one that isn't usually used in ice. And we've been seeing great success. And, like, I don't think we even really know quite exactly why it was successful, but whatever it was, it worked beautifully. And they had their best day of drilling ever. They made it 150 feet through the ice in a single day. So that's
3: the most progress we've seen in several weeks.
1: And they are so close to getting to the bottom of this ice sheet.
3: I'm trying to remain relatively emotionless so I don't disrupt the powers of the universe that are letting this happen. Um, And also not get myself overexcited for bedrock.
1: You know, Allie, like, is calling Yurg on the satellite phone, and he's, like, so excited when he hears how well things are going. He left me this, like, ecstatic voice memo.
2: Allie called just now, and they are now probably about 40 meters away from Bedrock, and I almost got a heart attack. It's a complete nail-biter, and I really, if it works like today, if 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 it works like today, then they might get close to Bedrock. I'm just overwhelmed in the moment. So let's just pray they are—there's nothing else coming in and they really make it. This will be brutal for 24 to 48 and 72 hours, but um, whatever, it's super exciting.
0: So things are just hanging in the balance,
1: but, you know, what's going on in your mind at this moment? I mean, I'm, like, on the edge of my seat. I'm thinking of Jurg sort of, like, at his apartment in New York, you know, and his mind is just millions of miles away. Mm -hmm. And and Allie sort of up there on the ice sheet with this crew, and she's trying to, like, cheer them on to the finish line. But also just sort of, like, the broader issue of, like, this rock is so important for our understanding of Greenland and what Greenland is going to do to the rest of the planet. Like, this is such an essential... Tool for predicting Earth's future and humanity's future. And like all of that is sort of dependent on this little crew up on that big ice sheet getting to the very bottom. So, what happened in the end? So, you know, they get to 500 meters, which is sort of how deep they expected the ice sheet to be. And they're still not at the bottom. The drillers worked through dinner and they're exhausted, but they know they are so close. And then all of a sudden, you know, 10,
3: 10, 15, they were drilling into the surface that we had hit the day before and pulled that up probably around 11 or 1130. And what we found was that that was a mixture of rock. So kind of like cobbles, sand, silt and ice kind of. Dirt and little pebbles
1: coming up in the ice, and they're like, oh my god.
3: Yeah, it was really exciting, but also, you know, frustrating in some ways to see that we had this full core of sediment rather than rock.
1: So they were right there. And so they're like, as they pull up this kind of like rocky slush, they're slowing down to gather the samples. And then something changes in sort of the way the drill is working, and they know that they have hit bedrock. So, Sarah, they did it. They did. So, it's, it's like well past midnight, and Jurg has gotten the call from Allie.
2: I think I have a little bit hard time to talk because I'm so emotional. I, uh, I just heard from Allie, and they did it. Um, it all worked out. And Yeah, to enter her. It was worth it.
1: And he is just like basking in the joy of it all.
2: They could not be happier and more grateful. Talk to you soon, Sarah.
0: This is amazing. and So they got the samples they needed. And what have they learned from those samples?
1: All of the sort of science, the lab science is still underway. There's a whole series of analyses that they have to do. What Jörg and his colleagues find when they look at these rocks, like it's probably going to be really sobering for us. It could tell us that Greenland is very, very close to the edge of irreversible decline. You know, it's going to highlight probably even more the really urgent need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, reduce fossil fuel use. But it's also really exciting because now that they know it can be done, right, there's so many, they can do it elsewhere. They can gather even more information. This is like opening up an entire new field of ice sheet science. I mean, until now, almost all of What we know about the past behavior of the ice sheet has come from the ice itself, right? Mm. Which can tell you about times when the Earth was cold, but it can't tell you about the times when the Earth was warm. And that's what we need to know now, because Earth is getting warmer than it's been at any point in recent human history. And so these rocks are just like, it's a whole new window onto what Greenland can do and what the Earth can do.
0: Sarah, thank you so much for sharing the story with us.
1: Thank you, Maggie.
0: Sarah Kaplan is a climate reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Bishop Sand, who also wrote original music for The Score. It was edited by Robin Amer and mixed by Sam Bear. Remember, if you love the show, help other people discover it. You can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'm your guest host, Maggie Penman. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.